Are you looking for bite-sized news, trends, and tips from the brightest minds in the online marketplace and platform economy space? Then you're listening to the right podcast. Every episode, we'll invite top marketplace experts to share their knowledge and insights on how to build, run, and grow successful online platforms. Here's your host, online marketplace veteran and digital community enthusiast, Sigrid Zythan. Welcome to the podcast, Trends, Opportunities, and Challenges for Online Marketplaces in 2021. I'm Sigrid Seiden, and I'm the host here. This is our first podcast, really exciting, and we're going to discuss marketplace news, um, industry trends, etc., etc., over multiple episodes in the future. Uh, but today we're going to focus on 2021 and the opportunities that comes with that. Uh, and in the studio with me, I have Petra Nulanda, who is the CEO at Becedo. Hello, hello. And Katja Reifler, the director of uh, AIM Group. Nice to meet you. Thank you. And we're going to discuss uh, 2021 and what marketplaces can kind of do to follow the trends that we are predicting. And we've seen slowly emerging already now that we are almost, well, we are a month into 2021. Uh, so we're going to have a couple of uh, questions that I will ask and uh, our experts will then answer them with hopefully some really good insights for you guys to use to grow. So first one uh, is about publishers versus platform. And it might be a little bit curious why I'm bringing this up um, when we're talking about marketplaces. However, uh, I think it's a really important topic that we started out 2021 with. Uh, so during the recent US election, uh, we saw the big social media platforms took a much more active approach to content moderation. And on the 8th of January, Twitter and Facebook even went as far as to ban the current sitting, uh, or well, not current anymore, but the sitting then uh, president of the US, which is a huge uh, step away from what they've been doing before. So this is inside of the debate about whether digital platforms and social networks are publisher or merely platforms for content. Uh, and the difference lies in who is ultimately legally responsible for the content that is posted. So obviously this can have huge ramifications. We also have to combine that with an increased political focus on platform responsibilities and a lot of legal frameworks that are currently being put into place, such as GDPR and this Digital Services Act here in Europe, um, where people, uh, the, the, the politicians wants to protect users. Uh, and for that, there's an increased focus on pushing responsibilities onto platform owners in order to keep their users safe and also keep uh, the law uh, on those platforms. So now I want to leave it um, to you, Katja, uh, first and foremost, what is kind of your thoughts on that debate, first and foremost? And secondly, how is that going to affect online marketplaces, you think? Yeah, it's a very general problem. When I uh, read your question or saw your question, it is the old question about free speech versus protecting the shared values of a community. And the internet and especially the social media platforms have unseated the media as gatekeepers of published news and information quite a while ago. And while this has super positive impacts uh, or implications, um, can you imagine a life without Wikipedia or without YouTube in your, your daily life? It becomes problematic when some players just start to disregard standards the other take for granted. And um, you see this uh, 
if the existence of facts beyond your personal perception uh, just uh, is uh, denied, so there is no truth anymore, or the value and dignity of human life is uh, is put in question, so killing your neighbor is no longer a bad thing, so uh, or torture, abuse, identity theft, you name it, and so regulation is inevitable and uh, we should embrace it as a good thing and that's also the case when marketplaces are affected by this. They should embrace it, they need to comply, there is no choice, You, it doesn't matter whether you think it's good or bad, you have to adapt and I think it's a good thing for society overall to uh, to handle it this way. Yeah, uh, just just to follow up with a small question there, Katja, do you think marketplaces are, are ready for this? Um, they have had uh, a long time to prepare and the bigger ones for sure are ready for it, but quite some aren't and they might need help. Yeah. So, Peter, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's very interesting what's happening. Um, a lot of things are being fast forwarded trend-wise during the pandemic. But this is like uh, an area we see two traditions sort of converting. We see the um, the American or the U.S. tradition on this. Uh, this goes back to 1996 with the uh, Communications uh, Decency Act, where um, sort of the, the website, so to speak, uh, got immunity for for uh, use-generated content. Meeting European tradition, where uh, it's more of a publisher approach that that whatever is published from a third party is the responsibility of the owner of that platform. So we can see a convergence now there with the new Biden administration, European Commission at one hand, also local initiatives in, in France, Poland, UK is sort of gravitating to to regulation. Um, so I think that's definitely that's what we're going to see uh, going forward, and it's important for marketplaces to be ready for this. Yeah. I think it's a positive thing as well, because one thing we have run into at Basilu from time to time is that clients are scared of actually saying that they are moderating the content because then suddenly they become liable. Uh, and with if that becomes kind of an open fact that you are liable, then they can also showcase proudly that they are doing a lot to protect their users. So I think in the end, it's going to be a win on that front. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the consumers are the winners, and, and especially now with the pandemic, we see a lot of new users on the internet, older demographics um, sort of entering, um, in some cases for the first time, and, and they are sort of vulnerable and, and exposed to from a, from a catalog of, of challenges. I think it's good that uh, as uh, marketplaces, e-commerce becoming the new normal for the entire society. It's important that it's safe and, and trusted um, and have credibility among. Um, um, yes, Peter, I think, yeah, I think you are mentioning a very important point in the protection of, of the individuals uh, because um, most people probably, including me and all of us who are uh, monitoring this since many, many years, uh, don't really, really understand the threats what technology in the in the bad hands can do yeah. so the, the the level of of supervision and uh, spying and uh, stealing data and and combining is is really uh, uh, it's it's so a lot that um, yeah 
I think protection is, uh, for those who don't know, is really necessary and a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a huge topic, and I think we could dedicate an entire episode just to this. And we may in the future, if, if people are interested in, in us deep diving into it and maybe even get some, some legal counsel into the discussion as well, that would be really interesting, I think. Um, but just for the sake of this, we want to stay bite-sized. We don't want to touch on a lot. So let's kind of move on. Uh, before Christmas, we did a uh, trend prediction article where we pulled in a lot of different experts within the online marketplace uh, industry. Uh, and we asked them, what do you predict uh, about 2021? What's going to be the opportunities? What's going to be the challenges? What's going to be the trends? What should you keep uh, an eye out for? Uh, and I'm just going to read a couple of the quotes here. So strip away bureaucracy, focus on what the users really need. Things need to be fast and they need to work. So these are all predictions and advice given by our, our kind of experts in that uh, content piece. And it sounds like 2021 is going to be all about improving the user experience and kind of putting the customer in center, which kind of ties back to what we were just talking about, like keeping the user safe, but also their entire user journey uh, within uh, the marketplace. So uh, I'd like to start with you this time, Peter. What, how do you think that online marketplaces can, can do that, put the customer in center? Yeah, there, there's uh, a lot of a lot of things there, of course. Uh, you have the benefit of AI. Benefit, uh, AI and machine learning can be used both to enhance the, the trust and safety, but of course, of course, also to um, to customize uh, and and to make the uh, user experience a more relevant one. We see it in streaming services on other platforms, how, how quickly they have, or even Spotify and others, how how good they are at predicting or presenting you. Uh, true relevant options uh, for you when you come into the website and it's going away from sort of broadcasting the same to everyone to a narrow casting and more uh, which will sort of make it more enjoyable and relevant to to interact with marketplaces i also think we see two trends now uh, one is sort of the um, global consolidation we see a handful of, of uh, mega brands uh, that's taking over and then we see a lot of initiatives for politicians in in europe in particular to, to to sort of protect competition. But we also see these, what I call proximity brands who are either focusing on a niche uh, or a niche geography or the way they do marketing, they feel closer to the consumer. So the emotional aspect of, of building a marketplace. I think both the use experience, the rational use experience that is more relevant, the, the fewer clicks you have, the more you, you, um, you are create a happy consumer. Uh, but also the emotional building a brand, participating in in what's perceived as the local community, being a good citizen, uh, is also sort of an important drivers now going forward. Yeah, go ahead, Katja. You had something you wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I think the the emotional um, aspect is is pretty important because especially now in the pandemic times where you can't have the the real relationships with your friends so the digital uh, relationships uh, become uh, more important and so the emotional uh, experience also on marketplaces can be can be something you want to have and we see a lot of of social selling on on, on networks that try to tell you how how great this is and how, why your friends like it and whatever but i think the most important um 
user interface or user experience uh, thing you have to do is to um, you have to stress ease and convenience and trust and uh, you can uh, do this uh, by learning from e-commerce so they are the big players that have been named really have processes in place that make it super easy for for uh, people to uh, order stuff and to receive it and to trust that they will uh, get a refund if uh, it's it's not uh, coming so building trust is something that is uh, as important as uh, speeding up processes and yeah and the biggest mistakes i'm i'm seeing is um, there are still so many for forms there's so many difficulties with registration with verification and there's so much fraud on on marketplaces uh, where you can't uh, trust that what you see is what you get and there's a lot to be done yeah, yeah totally agree I mean, if we just quickly go back to what you're saying about the emotion and the experience there, we actually uh, have an upcoming guest uh, in the podcast who's going to talk about live shopping and trends from e-commerce uh, in China specifically. So I think uh, that's that's another like deep dive into a topic there that we'll do a little bit in the future. Um, but yes. Um, yeah, that's, that's if... an interesting uh, comment there, uh, Sigrid, that uh, experience in from Asia and China in particular is quite interesting. Uh, learning um, because there, there's quite a lot of consumers who quite recently uh, <clears throat> enjoy the benefits of sort of e-commerce online and so on and but there was a lot of trust challenges and, and what many of the platforms did there is to add live streaming uh, so you can see really the products and how it works and so on really the use of influencers people trust to sort of would, would watch for various products and services and also the uh, the reviews the really robust reviews as well these were some initiatives that that improved the, the trust between the consumers and the platforms which are I, think, I guess spreading and then it's a lot, of course a lot of emotional components in a video um, that can sort of enhance the user experience which is uh, not spreading I think yeah so uh, I think this kind of uh, oh, actually just before we move on and um, Katja was already talking about the biggest mistakes uh, I just wanted to check with you uh, have you seen anything uh, kind of big mistakes that you see regularly with marketplaces that you talk to uh, that they are doing on an ongoing basis or is very common amongst uh, marketplaces better sorry <laughs> yeah if I, I start I think uh... Uh, CRM uh, is a very uh, important area where you can do a lot of mistakes, uh, frequency, relevancy, and so on and so forth. I, I see many marketplaces when you sign up, they're too eager to make you buy more, and 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 the communication is not customized, not relevant, so it just it ends up you opting out. So I think that's a very delicate uh, area uh, where you need to spend more analytics and more insights to do really relevant good crm not not underestimate that uh, also i think uh, you get surprised quite recently in the nordic countries we saw amazon going with the local swedish version and they have only used algorithms to translate from german to swedish and there were a lot of uh, quite horrendous <laughs> mistakes done in that translation <laughs> which made them actually um, hit uh, broad media as sort of a laughing stock people say how can this big company do this kind of uh, crappy translations and, and their launch was 
probably delayed and the success of it has been delayed you're so strong and, and sophisticated to, to come back but it's just a surprise how um, how they asked them underestimated the translation again back to proximity brands that if you want to do it in proper language version you'd really need to spend time not only with automation and algorithms but also with with natural real people who actually validate that translation and the tonality and so on so it's so important the last pixel uh, when you go to market uh, yes that's absolutely true and especially for marketplaces and i um you you know i'm from germany but we see this uh, example so german is spoken but if you look at switzerland or at austria those are close and they they are tiny but the german is not the german uh, that is used in germany so and there are different uh, differentiations there are different uh, words for very very um, clear things for example a mobile is uh, called uh, handy in germany and it's called natel in switzerland <laughs> And uh, I don't remember how it is called in, in Austria. Probably there's even another term for it um, besides mobile telephone. That would be the really official uh, term. And uh, I remember having talked to uh, someone who runs uh, several marketplaces in the Middle East, in the Arabic speaking countries, and it's absolutely the same there. They are present in, in 17 or 22 uh, markets and they had to adapt their interface for each and every one of these marketplaces just because otherwise it would have been perceived as foreign and they couldn't succeed there. So that's that's super interesting. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I mean, it's both the cultural sensitivities, but also language sensitivities, and then even your community sensitivities might vary from from group to group that you're marketing to. So there's a lot there. Uh, I think this actually is a very nice bridge to talking about AI in general. Uh, so the people we interviewed had kind of almost consequently, all of them mentioned AI as kind of the big uh, thing for 2021 and how companies need to focus a lot more on AI uh, and we also see reports like for instance from McKinsey who are predicting that by 2030 70% of all companies might have adopted some sort of AI driven solutions to streamline operations and to improve productivity but as we just tied back to the conversation we just had about Amazon using AI to translate there's still a lot of pitfalls with that so uh, first of all not all AI products will be relevant, right? So, um, what, what, Katja, what do you think would be relevant for marketplace in particular to look at in 2021? Yeah, first, um, thank you. First, I have to say that uh, when I hear AI is the next big thing, I, I always <laughs> sh sh shudder a bit because this has been told since so many years, and uh, AI is so unspecific. And if you if you will dig a bit deeper, what they people really mean is it the general artificial artificial intelligence that somehow will tell us how to lead our lives or will it be something very specific uh, that uh, can improve uh, specific things like for example uh, identifying cancer on uh, on medical uh, pictures 
and uh, so so it is it is always what would you mean and i always ask myself where are we on the hype circle when we talk about ai and most um, most of this uh, if if you look at more more general predictions it's it's still a bit away from uh, from productivity but some errors already uh, seem to be working and i tend to call this more uh, machine learning in very uh, narrow fields and there it can be super super efficient and think about image recognition or image enhancement that is super important for marketplaces and there you can can do a lot and what you can use this uh, for categorization for pricing and i think this will become uh, very very relevant if it's not already relevant it's also helpful for search if you say okay i'm uh, i'm interested in this or that please show me similar articles or products or whatever so here, I think it is super useful. And the second thing that I find very interesting is, is matching, matching of people on first hand that can be dating or business interests. It can be jobs or company culture. This is um, something that will uh, grow in importance and uh, something to look at. Uh, but then you, you, always um, have to overcome the the fear of people that uh, they were uh, directed too much and i think that's something you have to keep in mind when you develop these kind of kind of solutions um, it can be very scary uh, <laughs> to match ai and uh, productivity um, so, for example, if uh, an AI decides about whether I get finance or mortgage uh, and I can't do anything against it, then it's it's on the on the side where I'm a bit skeptical. On the other hand, um, I love the same technology if it allows me to uh, to tell um, my insurance company about a damage or my uh, my health insurance about a refund i want and then i want every every ai to help me as much as possible so i'm a bit undecided my myself <laughs> yeah just uh, just on that there's i don't know if you followed the this news about the game uh, shop uh, stocks that were uh, that has been uh, attacked by people from reddit uh, and that's also kind of a small rebellion against the day trading that are using these robots uh, and ai to to short stocks so uh, i mean there's a lot of ways to use ai and the question about whether or not it's morally or ethically correct uh, is is going to be a big thing i think in the coming years um but but Peter, i mean ai can be be used in positive ways as you mentioned as well Katja. Uh, do you have some examples, Peter, on where it could be relevant for marketplaces? Yes, definitely. I think um, the word that comes to mind, of course, is automation, which then translates into cost savings and hopefully also translates into a better user experience. So for marketplaces, I have huge volumes and quite repetitive um, volumes uh, that are recognizable and can benefit a lot from, from AI and, and automation. Uh, 
so that's the strength with AI that you can you can automate uh, things uh, that historically would be needed a manual work and then and, and save it to a fraction of the cost. And that's of course it's great uh, for the the world and for marketplaces. Um, however, uh, it's very naive to think that AI and machine learning can do everything because we live in in a dynamic uh, world where there's new products and services. Uh, for 18 months ago, I never heard the expression. COVID-19 or something, and we see a lot of fraud around that happening as we speak. We also saw just recently when PlayStation Xbox came with their new products that the algorithms of AI didn't recognize it and a lot of uh, bad content hit uh, consumers who were defrauded. So really the, the uh, foreseeable future is the, uh, the intersection between human intelligence and, and, and strong algorithms. Uh, and it's not either or, it's the combination that's that's attractive, that you can start automating part of your work, um, both financial savings, but also for a faster, better use experience and a more relevant use experience. So it's definitely here, if you continue, uh, and, and uh, used right, it has many, many benefits um, for, for, for marketplaces, for sure. Yeah. But also, also what, what's, uh, it's a little bit sort of, as Katja indicated, it's a bit overused, the term. Uh, often when you speak to marketplaces, yeah, yeah, we're doing AI machine learning. And when you sort of drill down, you see that it's basically a quite simple filter solution that they have. It's not really looping. It's not learning. Um, uh, so it's a bit virgin territory in a sense that a lot of uh, C-level executives don't really know what it what actually can do and what it's all about. So it's, it's still early days, I would say. Yes, and I agree that um, sometimes people just uh, boost or, or tell that they are using AI. In, in the end, it is it is just a kind of rule-based system. But uh, I've also talked to marketplaces who said, yes, you know, uh, we had been trying all this cool stuff, but the results were not as expected. So we are currently better off with our rule-based system. So it's um, that's why I said it might might still be uh, some years uh, until productivity in some fields. And I try to, to mention just some fields where it looks like it, it really already works. So you can use AI-based systems, but you have to be careful what you use them for. And there's a lot of, of uh, research and uh, testing uh, ahead for, for those who really want to have a fully AI-based system in the future. Yeah, I think what what's very important for if you want to move into AI is, is that it's a lot of hard work before you can start working. Basically, you need to have a robust number of items that are well categorized by a human being. Uh, and, and based on that hard work, then you can throw uh, algorithms and AI on it. Uh, starting with low volumes and so on and so forth is very naive and you, won't, you will have a backlash. So, so um, I think it's a little bit like the Gartner hype cycle, which I think is a very powerful one that, you know, they have the peak of inflated expectations, the value of despair, and then the plateau of productivity. I think hopefully maybe we have passed the peak of inflated <laughs> expectations for AI. And now we're moving from the value of despair for many marketplaces up to some kind of productivity. I think there are a lot of marketplaces are actually gaining a, a lot of, uh, 
good things from using AI, uh, saving money basically on automation on some categories that are very predictable and where it, <clears throat> uh, they have a robust number of, of sort of classified items. I think that's, but it's it's, it's important to be a nuanced and not too naive here when, when you start working with AI and machine. Um, yes, and uh, you can't stress enough that you need good data to train your system. Mm. And yeah. one, one of the, the most impressive image-based uh, examples at marketplaces I've seen in, in Turkey, because they built, uh, they built their AI and image recognition from uh, all the all the photos they had from used cars. And uh, meanwhile, when they uh, get uh, a user uploading a photo from a car, even a car part, they will instantly tell you, oh, this is uh, an Audi uh, something from uh, the year so-and-so, and it has those specifications, and it all fills this in, and that's a tremendous help for, for the users. And uh, the system was, was trained with all these uh, data, and uh, it's, it's very impressive, and that's a really good use. Yeah, I also see uh, what what had had a bad reputation a few years back is um, using AI for customer service. It was very clunky and and, and too early days. But I've seen the last couple of years uh, new initiatives that are more sophisticated and productive. So I think in the coming years, I think we're going to see more and more productive use of AI and machine learning when it comes to uh, to customer service, which of course. Um, it's a great use experience that you can 24-7 offer um, some, some basic customer service, which I think it's, uh, we're going to see more of. Yeah, so in general, we will see more AI in 2021, but maybe not AI to the level where we can just sit back, every one of us, and quit our day jobs and go sip margaritas on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a little bit like uh, when electricity came. Uh, it took out a lot of heavy lifting um, and, and automation and efficiency gains. Uh, I think AI has a similar theme that it's, it's, uh, it can increase productivity, can do, take away a lot of sort of boring jobs, so to speak, automating them. They're very sort of repetitive tasks that AI can do instead and we can free up time and, and resources to focus on more challenging and difficult things that needs human creativity or forward thinking that uh, algorithms can't because algorithms need uh, predictable and historical robust data. Uh, algorithms are not yet creative, that's for sure. <laughs> No, I mean, that being said, I've heard the algorithms that make songs. I think we ourselves were testing doing an algorithm just for the fun of it uh, that was writing out dating profiles. Uh, so not not creative, but uh, it can simulate creativity, but not to a level where we can actually use it yet. Hmm. Um, just moving on, uh, because I want to, to, to finalize this uh, segment. It's been super interesting and we've gotten around a lot of things. Um, but I just want to tie it back to the predictions that you gave us just before Christmas. Now it's had like one and a half months to come to fruition. And so first of all, if you look back at what you were saying back in December, are there any of those predictions that you made that you feel are already now starting to manifest? Uh, and I can start with uh, you, Katja, and we can move on to Petra. 
Yeah, actually, um, it's not that long that I made those predictions and uh, all those predictions, I think, are already manifesting in one way or the other because uh, it's the old saying, um, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. So <laughs> so, so you can find, find it uh, anywhere. And um, or perhaps uh, I just was not visionary enough to uh, invent something and say this is uh, this is upcoming and it just has not arrived yet but if i look at the the real predictions or what uh, what uh, of those predictions were really uh, gaining speed and this is uh, i said that we will see more uh, digital dealerships in automotive and um, we see that this trend really is accelerating driven by by covid and uh, other other uh, developments in the market. So in, in automotive marketplaces, you see a growing and more important and perhaps scary role of digital dealers. And we now see the um, IPO of the Auto One Group upcoming that is uh, or could could make a difference. There's a lot of money in, in the market and they already uh, said they are not just sticking with their traditional business model, but they also are offering the marketplace model to consumers. So, so we will have to monitor what's going on there. That's definitely something in, in automotive where you see this impact. We already see uh, in real estate, we see the full service rental models as uh, accelerating. And this is also a very interesting field where you uh, see that more and more convenience is being being implemented for landlords as well as tenants. And uh, so this is an interesting thing where you really see that something is happening. And yeah, perhaps also another thing in automotive is digital inspections. We all uh, were used to go to specific places where you uh, have had your car reviewed and uh, uh, got got uh, the worth uh, estimated. And now we are seeing ways to do this at home and with video and also with artificial intelligence in part. So this this is going to be uh, very interesting, and you you see that there is uh, something already happening. And overall, um, things rarely happen out of the blue. So it's uh, it's not uh, astonishing that uh, that you already see see traction in many things. But this doesn't mean that there are no surprises. Uh, you already mentioned before the the Reddit rebel cloud who is uh, uh, disturbing uh, what the hedge funds thought uh, was their uh, usual habitat and usual market. And uh, you see, on the other hand, platforms like uh, Clubhouse uh, rising, but those are not, not marketplaces. So marketplaces probably are a bit more predictable and a bit more uh, traditional. But uh, we will see the changes uh, ongoing here as well.
Yeah, I, I just realized I said game shop before, but if anyone hasn't heard about this, it's GameStop. <laughs> it's GameStop. <laughs> As if you want to look up, it's a really interesting story. Uh, even like it has nothing to do per se with marketplaces, but just if you want to see uh, what the digital world and uh, and a group of very dedicated people can do, um, then uh, check that out. Peter, do you want to uh, to take a look at the predictions you made and just comment on those? Yeah, so no, I think what we have seen now during the pandemic is fast forwarding uh, underlying trends that uh, Katja also mentioned. So I think the things I mentioned, uh, or maybe even fast forwarded to some extent, but I think the, the thing that I didn't mention, and I think it's the biggest, most interesting thing that's going on right now, and it demands some intellectual thinking and processing, is the world uh, post the pandemic. Uh, and it looks to me that uh, there will happen some counterintuitive things. For example, it seems now that uh, globally uh, the stigma of working from home for some employers is gone. It, it's uh, we're going to see a flexible work situation, and, and that will trigger interesting things. I know already now, for example, that uh, the growth of desktops and people actually using desktops rather than mobiles for interactive and marketplaces is. That was counterintuitive. Everyone thought mobile first, mobile first. That's where the world is going. But given other people are sitting working from home and probably will some of us will stay or at least partly working from home, uh, the use experience on a desktop is becoming even more important. The mobile, will, of course, continue as a strong trend. But I think that new world, I think it's important for marketplaces to say, what's new now? How will this change? And one scenario, of course, is that people will continue to invest a lot in their homes. Uh, including pets, including gardens, including uh, a lot of things. Uh, and that sort of will create new business opportunities and some challenges. Um, the circular economy, I think it's gonna continue for sure, uh, given especially how young people feel about this, everything from Greta to, right, to, to others. It's a strong theme that's being enhanced. Um, and I guess also young demographics will have a different approach to travel, uh, whereas maybe older demographics will return to the old pattern. But there's a lot of things happening, and, and, and this global shock to the system, truly global, uh, will create a lot of interesting things uh, on the back of it that uh, need some rethinking. But, but I think the biggest shift uh, is that people will spend more time at home uh, working uh, than before. And that creates a lot of new interesting things in the consumer behavior and, and what they need and what they want and so on and so forth. So that's, that's going to be interesting to follow. Yeah. Katja, do you want to No, uh, I have a question for you actually, Katja, because I know that you go to a lot of, uh, and you are helping creating a lot of events for uh, recruitment portals uh, and job sites. Um, and I had a discussion actually back in, I think it was 2018 or 2019 with someone who were running a marketplace for gig workers. Uh, and just thinking about that, is, do you think that will explode now, considering that now it's a lot more, as Peter says, a lot more accepted to work from home? Is it also a lot more accepted than to, to pull in someone from a gig economy site? And will that we see it like a burst in popularity for that also? Um, yes, recruitment is is super interesting, but uh, gig economy is is a bit uh, of a, of a term I don't like so much. Uh, for um, right now, we are seeing that uh, 
not only gig uh, work, that means low qualified uh, jobs are being outsourced or very short time, but that you see that uh, a whole economy is uh, is being generated where you outsource really parts of, of the system and manage teams uh, remotely and uh, add team members on, on the fly. And there's also um, AI support supporting these processes to find the right skills, for example, for, for your team and to um, suggest the right people to add uh, for projects. Uh, so definitely we will see uh, more of this. And also the pandemic uh, makes it easier um, for companies to think about outsourcing also to other countries, not only uh, to their, their own country, the whole home office experience is accelerating this. And um, yeah, and uh, it makes also more uh, more skilled people in, in different countries more self-confident that they can can do this and offer offer their work on the marketplaces. So yes, we are, we are going to see a lot of, of uh, changes in the way people work. I think a comment to that, I totally agree with what Greta said there. It's uh, if you use the term freelancer instead of a gig economy, then so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's interesting, I've seen quite interesting statistics on freelancers versus uh, people with fixed contracts with an employer. The freelancer tend to embrace more uh, education and e learning, and, 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 and I think e learning will have a very bright future. Uh, there's a lot of free learning to be done on YouTube, etc. But there's also uh, now that stigma uh, has also gone that you can get a certification or uh, diploma online, but you're sitting at home, especially if you have a more looser way of working to your employers, like a freelancer, I think you're more incentivized to to manifest that you actually have taken these courses, you have developed these new skills and so on. And that's going to be interesting to follow. Also, for those marketplaces who are <clears throat> sort of in the uh, health space, I think there's a lot of stigma broken down during the pandemic as well, that we see a lot of innovation now in health, in education, uh, etc. that was very slow to embrace the things of AI or machine learning or digitization. So that's going to be very interesting to follow as well. And uh, you also see um, changes not uh, not only in how people work, but also how people find uh, service people. Uh, and uh, I've, I've seen interesting uh, examples uh, from uh, Eastern Europe and from Russia, where um, you see marketplaces that uh, help you find a, a plumber or, or whatever what, what you need for your home improvement or for uh, other other services, also freelance services, and they uh, take over uh, the identity check and make sure that uh, as well the, the, the buyer as uh, well as the, the seller or service provider is certified and is a real person and you you know you can trust and um, even <laughs> even I've seen tax integration I don't know whether you uh, prefer to have this or not but uh, that's also on on the list in in some countries so I think that's a very interesting uh, development yeah sounds like it 2021 was going to be very very interesting like there's going to be uh, an adaptation period uh, and as Peter said we've just like 
fast-forwarded development in a lot of sectors. Uh, I think just to round this off, it would be really interesting to have just shortly from both of you, Peter, you can start. What would be the kind of growth advice for online marketplaces in 2021? Easy question, right? <laughs> Say again, what would be the... Your, your advice for, for online marketplaces want to grow, uh, to grow, what's kind of the growth advice you would give uh, them in 2021? I think I think I'm all back to this old uh, mantra that always stands true: uh, understand your customer. Um, and and what's great for being a marketplace that you have so much data, but you need to throw resources at it and 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 talented people. Uh, but just it's it, it will always be true if you want to sort of win in a marketplace by understanding your customer better than your competition, you will gain better market share. You will have better loyalty. Mm -hmm and do better business. I think it's whatever mean <laughs> channel you sell in, having respect for your customer uh, and how the customer preference is moving now post-pandemic, et cetera, and so, so forth. Uh, that's still the most successful recipe uh, for any marketplace. And actually, uh, there is almost nothing I can, can add to this because what I have um, been thinking for this, how to answer this question is just uh, solve the pain points of your customer. Mm. And that's that's your biggest growth opportunity. And the customers, you know them and you should aim to know them. And if you really find ways to uh, solve their pain points, you will be successful. That's perfect. It leads uh, back to the question we had uh, about customer and sender. So if you skip that part, you should rewind into the podcast and just listen to what Katja and Peter was saying there again, because they had some good advice. I think, uh, I, I, I think, I think uh, on, to add on that, I think one of the most uh, tangible advice, which sounds very simple, but I, I, I noticed many times in my career that it's very powerful, is to stand in your customer's shoes. Basically, do the same client journey. Log in, try to buy some things interact with customer service etc you will be, get surprised when you have an outside in perspective on your own business where there's quite a loopholes that you can you can help improve so stand in your client's shoes uh, it's very powerful as well and cost efficient <laughs> so a little bit of bonus uh, tip there at the end <laughs> that's very nice thank you so much Peter thank you so much catcher for, for joining and for talking about um, the uh, the trends we see so far in 2021. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we are going to try to make this a recurrent, um, uh, well, podcast episodes. Uh, the next one uh, is going to be, as mentioned, about uh, China's influence, e-commerce trends, uh, and uh, we will definitely talk about live shopping and probably some other things with Tom Shang. I am very sorry I've said that wrong, Tom. Um, and uh, yeah, make sure that you follow us. Uh, we're going to try and get some really interesting experts uh, into the studio um, on a regular basis. And maybe we'll have Katja back uh, at some point because she has a fountain of knowledge. <laughs> and uh, just to round that off, Peter, where can people find you if they want to reach out? Yes, so uh, I'm at uh, I'm CEO of Becero, so becero.com. There you find me. Uh, or add me on LinkedIn, uh, Peter with two T, Peter with two T's, uh, Nylander. I'm on LinkedIn as well, or I'm also on Twitter. But I've said LinkedIn or email me, Peter.Nylander at bezero.com, and we can have a conversation about anything. Perfect. Katja, where can they find you? 
I'm the managing director of the AIM Group. Uh, we are a global uh, company spread all over the world. Um, you find us at aimgroup.com. Um, and there's a team section where you can look me up and find my email if you don't understand it. Uh, it's just first name, um, first letter of the last name. So it's Katja R at aimgroup.com. LinkedIn, yes, please join me on LinkedIn. And I'm also on Twitter, but I have to admit, I'm not looking at it so often. So uh, I'm far away from uh, the thousands of followers. And <laughs> so that's, that's that's, that's not the best idea, but uh, please uh, reach out to me. I'm very open for a conversation. Thank you. And if you have any questions or ideas for future podcast episodes, you can reach me at secret.soydon. It's impossible to spell. Secret.soydon at besedo.com or find me on uh, LinkedIn as well. Um, thank you so much for listening. Have a good day. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Marketplace Insights, the podcast that brings you bite-sized marketplace news, trends, and tips. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your podcast service of choice and share it on social media. To catch all the latest insights from Bassetto, follow us at Twitter at Bassetto Official or find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until next time, keep growing with trust.